we are part of the problem. That's one of the things that in software development, people don't think that we are part of the problem, but we are part of the solution because we have so big handprint as an industry that we reduce the emissions of the analogical industries with diesel. But then we create a lot of digital emissions. Welcome to the Agile Digital Transformation Podcast, where we explore different aspects of digital transformation and digital experience with your host, Tim Butera, Content and Community Manager at Agile Drop. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Our guest today is Yane Kaliola, founder and chief growth officer of the digital services agency EXO. He's recently published a book about green coding, and this is what we'll be discussing today. So the environmental impact of technology and how green coding practices can help here. Yane, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being our guest. Do you want to add anything here or should we just jump straight to our questions? Thanks. Nothing to add. That was a very good intro. So let's start with the questions. Awesome. Awesome. The first thing that I want to, to talk about today is this double-edged sword of data and innovation. You know, we, we usually treat new data-driven technologies as kind of the be-all, end-all, ultimate solutions without really considering potential long-term downsides enough and stuff like environmental impact. Mm -hmm. uh, so, for example, you know, if you compare something like IoT, so the Internet of Things on the one hand, and something like the Metaverse on the other, both of these are super data, in data intensive, yeah. but they have widely different implications for society and the future of humanity, right? What are your thoughts yeah, here? Yes. If you start from the sort of environmental impacts, I don't talk anything about the sort of related to society and so forth, that that's... That's a topic for somebody else that is better better knows those those topics than I do because the metaverse, for example, has also also other impacts than than just it's just environmental. But environmental sense, there's a, probably everybody knows already now the concept of carbon footprint that how much carbon emissions your service creates. Then there's also concept of carbon handprint that means that how much your service or the the thing that you are doing is removing carbon from the or carbon emissions. So if you have, a, let's say, an IoT is used in a steel mill, and then you can optimize optimize the performance of the steel mill, and you can reduce the amount of energy used to heat the steel, for example, you will have a huge carbon handprint because you just reduce the emissions. So the IoT has a lot of these kind of possibilities to create better world by reducing inefficiencies, removing bottlenecks and whatnot in industrial processes. And then the amount of emissions, IoT sensors, the logistics, the creation of the sensors, the logistics and everything, and the software and the data that we then, then probably you store for long periods of time and analyze it for the for the longer trends and whatnot, that has a huge positive impact. On the other hand, then discussing about metaverse or the cryptocurrencies, they will use a huge amount of data and then uh, also huge amount of transmission capacity for achieving something that most probably doesn't really bring that kind of huge energy savings 
and in in some cases might be might be just completely pointless as a, as an as a like a solution that is looking for a problem so the uh, they don't add up anything or either of course the met that i i and you if we would meet in metaverse we would not need to travel mm-hmm. but on the other hand whether the immersiveness of the metaverse would be better or way better than the call that we have now in zoom most probably not that meeting uh, meeting together as avatars in in some 3d space that at least i would be nauseous most probably won't really change the experience so much that it would make make sense and then the, for example the cryptocurrencies it's really good for for drug dealers and the people that that want to want to uh, sort of get financial gains by speculation and then for the rest of the planet most probably the impact is completely negative i think another important distinction to make is also the difference in environmental impact between software versus hardware right because we yeah. we we already kind of alluded to this way with the talk about iot so so yeah w- what would you say here there's like two different things there there's the the cycle of of the speed of how how quickly we sort of purchase new devices how how quick is the cycle of of renewing stuff and that has been mostly driven by by marketing so it's it's the best of apple samsung google and the others that manufacture the phones and the and the other devices that people buy new devices and uh, there has been they have created a lust most of mm-hmm. the most of the capital is capitalism is run with uh, with uh, that somebody creates a desire and then fulfills the desire and uh, the devices typically would be usable for way longer period but the uh, when there are new more powerful devices then the software easily eats it's like a bureaucracy that it will always grow and it will always sort of fill all the available space mm-hmm. so the software demand will grow and then you can't run the older you can run you can't run the new new software on an older device because it's just it's not performing that well but funnily enough when you when you look at the first you look at the people that we are still the same people that we were on the stone age we are not fa- not any faster we don't process things any faster and we were sort of satisfied in the 80s with the with the, i i was grown up with the, with the commodore machines and uh, with when the commodore 16 and then amiga and amiga was the first device that that was actually i could perform a lot of things that i still do write text make drawings and these kind of things of course it's not the perfect one but it's like 10000 times slower machine than my mobile phone and i still do the same kind of things i play games i read emails so forth and the but the software is so bloated that we need to have faster devices mm-hmm. and then the other area is this that the then the people don't really think in the, that the, that how much the the device manufacturing the logistics getting the device to the right place the right hand 
maybe some configurations, reinstalling everything to new device. That what is the environmental impact of that? And then when we have more data, we have more stuff to process. We have better screens. We have better better cameras on the phones. But the our eyes are still the same. And after like 300 DPI to 600 DPI, that's something that I, I used to study back in the days in the in the late 90s. I studied the uh, some part of the printing technology. So there, there's somewhere there in the 300, 600 DPI that the people's eyes, they, they just don't anymore see details. And when you are like me, I'm 50 already, then, then you just see less and less details, I can assure you. So the, uh, what's the point of having so densely packed screen that can be can show so big photographs because you the information that you see as the viewer of the photo is the same even the photo would have like one tenth of the data mm -hmm. because the information still is the same because you can't see the details. Sometimes you can zoom in. Yes, yes, there, there are there are certain possibilities, but most of the most of the let's say that you have a family outing and then you then you take photos. Would you zoom in to see the the sort of ear hair or the pimples on the faces or what? <laughs> what would be the reason to zoom in? There is no practical reason. Then of course, if there's a photo of of a stadium full of people and you want to see that yes i'm here i'm at that group of pixels looking at the at the band that's playing there then there might be need but for most of the photos it doesn't really matter but it, it just increased at uh, 50 megabyte megapixel photos and after like four four or six i have been happy so it, it's on both sides it's very complicated right you have on the on the hardware side and kind of the interplay with software we we, we talked about kind of pl planned obsolescence versus perceived obsolescence so planned obsolescence is kind of inevitable because of uh new more demanding software requiring hardware changes and then mm -hmm. per perceived obsolescence what you talked about uh it being the fault of marketers i also uh, you know, the, this perceived obsolescence thing was also really interesting to me because of, you know, okay, you have like iPhone and you have iPhone, I guess, iPhone 9, and then you had iPhone X, right? It just, it, it moved by one. But then Huawei, yeah. you had Huawei P20, and then the next year P30 came out. And suddenly yeah. it, it looked like you were 10 versions behind, not just one one version yeah. behind. So, uh, yeah, definitely some, some uh, I mean, a lot of things to consider here. Yeah, and then one thing that I want to add that if the software that is one of the points in, in, my, in my book that if the software would be written with quality fashion and focused on the ecological impact, there would be no need to update the devices. We would be happy with let's say ten years old phones because they would just run fine. But now we waste the whole the performance increases are wasted partially because the software developers are lazy and they use the they use the libraries they don't really optimize the software because that doesn't matter it it runs faster than the people can think in almost any device software developers have always the latest devices so it's it's always fast enough for them 
Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why it's so slow with the slower devices, because the the people that code them don't really try to use the cheaper old devices and so forth. So we create, we are part of the problem. And that is one of the things that the in software development people don't think that we are part of the problem, but we are part of the solution because we have so big handprint as an industry that we reduce the emissions of the analogical industries with digital. But then we create a lot of digital emissions. No, not of course they are not digital emissions, but we create emissions because of digital infrastructure. And a lot of that emission could be avoided with better planning and better coding. That was a very good add-on, yeah. And another thing I'm interested about is uh, cloud computing and how that can help uh, with green or sustainable coding. And especially, I'm wondering if there are any misconceptions here that we should be aware of that we can take this opportunity to debunk and kind of explain here. Yeah, the I would say that the the cloud is better than having the hosting on-prem because then the cloud, because there's so much code happening in cloud, there's so much processing happening and there's so much data, they can actually optimize and pack the computers as full as possible. So the, the best way, to, the best utilization for a device is that it runs on optimal speed all the time. There's always something that we, if, if the system waits, of course, it doesn't use that much electricity. But if we have, let's say, we have uh, like, thousand computers in 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 some hosting center that are used like approximately 60 percent power and you can't really change the because all of those 60 percent are used by monolithic software but in cloud with hypervisors the software is less it is sort of smaller in granularity that they 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 are smaller pieces that you can then load balance so instead of thousand computers you could get away with 700 computers and still have some buffer in each of the computers and do the exact same computations, but with less hardware used. Mm-hmm. The caveat with cloud computing is that there is no capital expenses shown to the, when you, that you don't need to buy anything, any hardware that I need to buy a new server, but the, amount of computing power, amount of data that can be processed is infinite, sort of. And then it's very easy to buy more capacity. And that has been made very, very easy to buy the capacity and a little bit harder to get rid of the capacity. (laughs) And typically from the software developer's point of view, somebody else pays the bills of the cloud. So the invoice or the credit card belongs to somebody else. So they don't, they might ever see the cost of the operations. And then when the cost is somebody else's problem, then it means that the efficiency is also somebody else's problem. And when the the code is not efficient, it creates more emissions by both using more hardware and using more electricity. And then there's probably people listening to this are thinking about that, but they run on green, green electricity or they are renewable. But still, the amount of electricity used in uh, in the world is growing so fast that the there are still non non renewable 
power plants are built, it means that uh, somebody else is using that non-green energy. Especially in Europe, when it's a windy day, there's a lot of energy available and it's very, very clean. But when the uh, when there's less of that energy available, then the energy is not clean. And if we add more energy consumption by bad software, then we will move and use the green energy to run the software. Then somebody else, somewhere else, is using the unclean energy like coal energy or gas energy. And somebody is still using the energy. Somebody's causing the emissions, even if it's not the IT. So we are fooling ourselves to think that it's some, that it's 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 not our problem. It's exactly our problem. The energy consumption of the IT is more than the airplane industry, and that's a lot. And they 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 are guilty of all the all the mishaps of climate change. They are the culprit of everything, scapegoat in a sense. But we are using as much energy as they are. Of course, in different form, but but still energy, and the, that causes emissions. So I, I guess this is the right place to ask what you think that what kind of impact do you think that green coding will have on this whole digitalization, digital transformation movement that we're kind of witnessing right now in full swing? That is a very very good question. This is typically prelude to the saying that I don't have an answer. So the, uh, the we are still quite early on the on that phase. I don't know. Probably nobody really knows the impact of the green coding. If the software is really bad, and they, they have discussed this is this is anecdotal in, information, but still still has some some truth. I have discussed with the, with the cloud service provider that said that the 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 worst five percent of the software uses like 80% of the energy. But the, 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 it's just that the bad, bad behaving software eats a lot of energy. Of course, this is this is now in uh, in the field of, of content management systems mm-hmm. and uh, web applications that it's not that kind of hard calculations that if you have like AI or you are doing a weather modeling or something that that is complex and you typically don't have bad software because the bad software would not get the things done at all so the uh, it's limited the scope but for example the cryptocurrencies there has been that they, they eat the energy of argentina or eat the energy of czech republic and that's a lot that if you have cryptocurrency that is on the nation nation level of energy consumption that is like 20th biggest consumer of energy or the ad networks there was a study in finland made that the ad networks meaning the the ads that we see in google and the and the websites that they eat 10% of the energy consumption of the internet because every single time there's one ad shown there's like 100 to 200 auction of computers participating in auction that happens in milliseconds who gets the spot and then you fire that every single time or five times ten times when you go to a web page and probably you and i we go hundreds of web pages every single day because we are searching for information or whatnot 
And then we multiply that with the amount of people living in first world with uh, with the good access to internet. Let's say one billion people. There's billions or trillions of ad auctions happening every day, and the value that they add to everybody else except that that who runs the auction, they, they get the best money out of it. Is probably really net, really really small. And these kind of things boggles my mind that there is so huge waste of energy in internet because it's so cheap to run those things and there's a business incentive built on those but the sort of the impact of the on the quality of life is very 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 small as an industry we should should really get our sort of things together and 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 start making changes mm-hmm. and in in a lot of cases i mean the impact of ads it, in a lot of cases is not just small but it's non-existent to the individual or or even if we're talking about like emissions and energy consumptions and stuff like that you know i, I kind of can't tie advertising and ads off from kind of this over and hyper production right so it's kind of they go hand in hand right so because exactly the more ads you have the more production you have and the bigger your energy consumption will be because the ads will make certain things more attractive and more desirable which otherwise wouldn't even be needed maybe yeah yeah that's true and the the ratio that i've been uh i've seen ads in the internet like 20 years uh, back in the uh, 98, 25 years ago, we made our first banner ads to fund uh, fund a study trip to to California from Finland. Mm-hmm. So I've been working with the working with the web publishing for quite a long time and seen the ads. Then it was just a just the image file on the on the on the web page and no fancy stuff, no auction, whatnot. But the times that I've in 25 years, I've clicked an ad, not an accident, but, but just click an ad is like once a year, twice a year. So maybe 50 times, let's say, let's say 50. And, pro- and I purchased the product. I've done that. There have been some, some good ads, but uh, probably five products in 25 years. Maybe I've made decisions in the store that i've seen something in the web or whatnot maybe not i i can't really say it and i have not followed that but those things that when i've actually purchased something followed by an ad it has been really small i might be i might be a lot it in that sense that i don't really want to buy stuff from the from the internet or 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 then i'm not an exception i can't i can't say i haven't studied that much but for me it, it feels so complete waste Mm. of everything the products of course i felt that they have been i have i have actually have a need that their products have fulfilled and yes it might have been better that instead of, of that i have traveled around uh city of helsinki to look for the product that i'm looking at i'm actually both from the internet or they're not I feel like most ads are are not made for people who discuss the negative impacts of ads on podcasts. Yeah, that's true also. And then the, the was it the same study or the following study? It was made by Lappeenranta University of Technology. Was it 40% of the ads are clicked by people or machines that do that because they want to earn money 
for the people that host the ads. So there are click farms in China <laughs> and so forth that they it, it's <laughs> sort of they did it just the layer after layer after layer. <laughs> it, it, the game just becomes more and more bizarre. It's it's like like reading a a book, a Kafka book or something like that. That it did every turn. No, this won't happen. This 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 doesn't make any sense. It is surreal thing. And then there are huge companies like like Facebook and uh, and Google or Meta and Alphabet that uh, that get them almost all of their money from that system. That is completely gamed and uh, waste of many many things. So if business leaders were to make any cuts one of the first things they could look at to reduce their emissions and to kind of be more sustainable, be greener, also in the digital sphere, would be to kind of have more streamlined advertising, maybe somewhere in that area. What are some other things that they should consider first before any other cuts or any other changes? What are the easiest changes to make? There are like two kind of companies in, in the world in this sense. There are the companies that code, Mm-hmm. either for themselves or for somebody else. And then there are the companies that buy code, ready-made code from somebody. So if you are on the latter end, the, there's the golden rule that who has the gold makes the rules. So the uh, if you are buying stuff, then you should insist in the procurement that you want to have uh, carbon-wise, eco-friendly, efficient code. And have some kind of measurements. Maybe get somebody to help you with the with the making your own procurement criteria and figuring out how to follow those. But if nobody demands the change, the change won't happen. Mm-hmm. If you are then on the on the other side of the fence, that you are either writing code for your own organization, that you have an IT department with the with the software developers, or you are like like Exovis, a software consultant company that we code for money. So the uh, then it's about the awareness first that people know that the, these things actually matter then there's the training that what can be done there are certain ways that that can can that you can change the have an impact in a sense with your coding and then they need to spread the word also that the the, the evangelize what i'm doing right now to the to the hopefully some some of the podcast listeners will see the light after this one and see that yes yes this is the, the church of green code this is where I want to belong so that is important too because we need to have a change mm-hmm. uh, the actual what to do is the answer is is what the what the typical senior would add answer to any junior question that it depends. <laughs> So it depends on the on the circumstances. It depends on the kind of the system you are working on and whatnot. There might be that if you are working, for example, image recognition, that that kind of artificial artificial vision, or you are working with the with the crypto crypto contracts, or you are working with AI, or you are working with uh, WordPress or Drupal, all of have different implications and behind the hotspots. I've Seeing three generic ways to do it, 
the first is the, the typical engineer way that you measure and based on the measurements, you will figure out what to change. The problem is that it's extremely hard to measure things. It's extremely hard to measure things in a sort of organized, how to say, the in a way that it actually makes sense that you have a measure that you have information about the measurement and not just data. So if you can measure very good, use that measurements and then then find the where the where the energy is used or where the where the where the time is spent, because the there was a study made by a Portuguese university that there's a strong or very strong correlation between the time execution time of software and the energy consumption in all languages that they tried out with like 20 different languages. So if your software runs faster, it will create less emissions. So that, that's that's the first that you measure and then, then you make changes. And then you measure again and see that, okay, this, this was done and we, we got some change and then you measure the new spot and whatnot. Typically, software is so complicated that you can't get reliable measurements. So the next, that what I'm proposing in the book is reduce waste. So the concept of waste is like in the lean that the things that do not add value. Mm-hmm. So uh, if there is a subsystem in your software that does not add value, cut it. If there's a software that doesn't add value, then then uh, but it's still executing. For example, a system that that is monitoring something that doesn't exist anymore, and then sending alerts every five seconds that this is broken, this is broken, nobody cares about the alerts, shut it down. There might be over-complex data structures, the architects might be wrong and so forth. There's like, I've, I've recognized 10 to 15 different types of waste, and all of them have different ways to mitigate the issues. And then the third one, third way after the measurements and the waste is minimization, that you do a software that excels in the things in the in the sort of features that it needs to excel and nothing else mm-hmm. just get rid of everything because if you have that kind of elegant system that is perfect for a, for a certain use don't add add bells and whistles new features because the software industry is also very feature driven but say, just stay true to the purpose and uh, keep it simple. A good example that I, I like to chop wood. My kids don't really like it because they need to be part of it also. It's a good exercise. They, they will understand when they are 40 or something like that. I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure that. But I have a really good Fiskars axe that is like a simplification of the axe for like 100 years of, of continuous improvement. And it has, it's extremely good at chopping wood but it's not good at for example if i want would like to build a log house then i would need to use different axe so there is not axe that fits all the purposes and have different blades and whatnot because it would be heavier but there is a simple tool for simple thing chopping the wood and that axe is sort of current perfection of how to chop the wood with axe and then I used for that purpose only, and then I have some other tools. So in software world, if there would be a a need that I need to chop digital wood, and then I have a software that had the had is a digital axe, that would be fine. But typically in software, there would be different blades, and they're all kind of 
measurements in the in the axe and whatnot. Because why not? It's cheap to do. Everybody's interested about those that how fast you chop, what is the what is the uh, angle you chop and whatnot. And most of that doesn't really matter, but it would just consume energy. So back to basics. The crucial things only because typically those software that do something well, simple things well, they are also the software that people love. That you will have people that follow the software and might use it for years to come because they like the elegance and the simplicity of it. Of course, this um, that you can't have a simple and elegant, let's say, e-bank because there are so many different things that people want to use e-bank that somebody just wants to pay bills, somebody goes to handle loans, then there are these stock exchange shares, whatnot. So it goes on and on. But it might be that there are certain issues that, that you can use minimize software. So three things, measurement, waste, and minimization. That was a really great answer, Jana, and a lot of really great tips for listeners right here at the end. Uh, if these listeners would like to reach out to you, learn more about you, maybe maybe check out your book, where can they do all that? Yeah, the book is available free of charge at exo.com, exove.com. It's uh, available in Finnish. If you don't know Finnish, this is also a good guidebook to learn the language. It's <laughs> a great language. But for the language restricted people out there, the English version is also available and it's it's like word-to-word translation. So it, it has all the same things. Please download it because it's crucial that we make a change. And uh, I made a conscious decision that I don't want to have have the book published by somebody and get the money out of it because I want to share the knowledge about these things. Awesome. We'll make sure to link to Exo's website. And hopefully a lot of listeners right now will also check out the book. Jane, thanks again for joining us today. It was great to have you. No worries. It's a pleasure to be here. And to our listeners, that's all for this episode. Have a great day, everyone. And stay safe. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to check out our other episodes, you can find all of them at agiledrop.com slash podcast, as well as on all the most popular podcasting platforms. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues.